This podcast is sponsored by Cleaner Seas Group. Through innovation and engagement of people, businesses and governments, they aim to eradicate microplastic pollution from all angles. The goal is to spread awareness so that people can make informed choices and be part of the solution. For more information, please visit cleanerseasgroup.com. Godfather of Bread and Pastries, Richard Bertinet, joins me on another episode of the Naughty Bites podcast. A multi-award winning baker, Richard has an effortless, approachable style of baking that makes anyone a superstar in the kitchen when he reveals his secrets. Good afternoon, Richard. How are you doing today? I am very well, and you? I'm very well, thank you. So, I don't know, my podcast is called The Naughty Bites. Yeah. What's your guilty or naughty pleasure? Oh, great. First question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I don't know, I've got many of them, that's why. <laughs> that's great, tell me. <laughs> no, I, I, I love having a good time. I love uh, having friends around. I love a bit of drinking, you know, uh, good wine. Uh, I'm just having a good time, really, you know, enjoying life a bit. So it's uh, um, probably the worst one is to just cigar from time to time, you know. Oh, nice. Oh, uh, nice. Latin America? Yeah, but not not too big. I don't have the big one, just probably, yeah. but just sometime in a nice evening when the sun goes down, you know, and just watching the wave. Well, oh. I don't need the wave anyway. That's an excuse. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's, you know, it's. Bit of little things there sometimes. It's quite nice, but uh, definitely, definitely, definitely. So, I want to ask you about when you first arrived to the UK. What did you think of British bread and pastries? Um, I came for two weeks every day, um, by by chance, really. I mean, um, uh, I started speaking English uh, during the ski season in Maryvale, and I met a lot of English people. I quite enjoyed there. Their company. So when I came in England, I was lucky I arrived in a new forest in Wilmington, which is quite a nice part of the country. And um, I remember my first pub, which is gone now, the Red Lion on Wilmington High Street. And uh, the food was different, but I, I quite enjoyed it. There was you know, nice, good meat. I remember the steak I used to have there. Um, it was different. Huh? I went to the fish and chips, you know, that was an experience. And when I went to the supermarket, everything was new. And there was, yeah, bread was. There was no bakery. There was no bakery like we know bakery in France. So, you know, I, I didn't make my mind up too much about what what was what. I, I wanted to discover the culture and not say, "Well, I don't like this," or "The British can't do it." It's not true. We, they do things in different ways. But I remember testing my, my first slice loaf from a bloody plastic bag, and that was like a whoa. That, that was. I was trying to look for bread in the house I was staying. There was no bread. The only thing I could see was that stuff, yeah. which we call pain de mie in France. You know, it's, uh, we use it for toast, for uh, for different things. But that was a standard bread uh, as a staple. As I, I was making a sandwich with it, and it was different. So, but then I read the packaging. I couldn't understand the word okay. what was in there. There were so many ingredients. That was strange. So that was always stuck to my mind. I, I, Later on, when I started working back in the bakery, I, I would love to relaunch, um, to relaunch sliced bread in this country, but with three or four ingredients maximum, not a chemical set into it, which I did after, after a few years. So I'm, I'm very proud of, 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 of achieving that. Um, but I think I've, if you go somewhere new, it's not there to criticize. I think you go there to absorb and learn. Mm-hmm. When, when you learn enough, then you can have an opinion. So it's too easy to go there. I go to France now, and people say, "Oh, the British don't know to eat the food is crap," and the rest of us. That's not true. We, I think, we probably eat better in some part of of UK than we eat in France. You know, okay. so it's a it's a myth that the food is different. But being different doesn't mean it's bad. Sometimes, no, so definitely. It's, I think it's a, and it's evolved since since 1988 when I arrived. Now, the the, the explosion on food and on bakery and Charcuterie, I mean everything. We we, we rediscover passion now. But for, 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 for so many 
blog about food is with the social media is it's gone crazy. So it's a it's a always evolve subject, evolving subject, basically. So no, definitely. I, I agree with that. I've had a lot of conversations with people here in Spain and it's the same idea, British people eat rubbish. But when they come to the UK, they eat at the food chain, so if, you don't know, fast food or something like that, where, I was, where I'm saying, go to the countryside or go to the coast and go to those places where they supply okay. local food. And it's, it's When you go to a foreign country, if you don't know, you go to what's safe sometimes. Mm. Unless you know somebody who knows who send you there. You know, yeah, definitely. I, I remember I went to Spain in Barcelona many years ago, 22 years ago, and that was a, the real explosion of, uh, I don't know what's fusion food, but very different. And in Spain, it's really put their mark on that double food. And it was a restaurant called Oti, I think. And uh, it did open for nine o'clock. But the food I remember was just so different from anything I ate before. Mm. Very different. It was so advanced on what it was. Uh, I was blown away by it. Um, but it's the beauty of every country we evolve in our own senses and our own uh, culture. Which is, which is great. I think the British absorb different culture and make it their own kind of it, thing. I, I think it's a form of cross-culture as, as opposed to fusion. You know, you're absorbing two different yeah. aspects. Um, yeah, they're very good at taking great idea, putting them together, make them work. Uh, yeah, 100%. old-fashioned cooking, long, slow process of cooking, understanding the ingredients, where they come from, mm. you know, from the flour to the beef to kettle. So it's a respect of the ingredients. So let's go back to our and less waste also which is yes. uh, which is um, much better i think so. so and for me i believe that you've brought french bread as a art form to the uk you know when you came here in the 80s it was like like you said sliced bread but how did you approach to bridging the gap in terms of baking bread and pastries to people of a non-french audience in the uk it's a good question. Um, I think when I came in here, I was still a young baker and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. So baking was things I knew, but I did front of house in France also. So I went back to work in the hotel industry and, and work in a pastry section. There was no bakery, so it was just completely different. I had to do something different. So the hospitality world opened its door to me in here. So I worked front of house, I work in kitchen. So I opened my eyes on different things. And um, there was an opportunity once uh, after a few years when I was working, I became a head chef and ran my own kitchen. There was a job advertising a catcher magazine for uh, what was he called? Product development executive for a big bakery company. And the salary was, that was back in 1990, I think, or something, or 1992, I think. And the salary was huge, plus company car, everything. I said, I'll never get it. So I applied for the job and I got it. I like, That's amazing. <laughs> And 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 um, it was um, the beginning of the revolution of bread bread in in this country. So it was a job where I, I developed new product mm. with big bakeries to supply supermarket. So from there I started to change it from from the inside a little bit. So all my product I was launching, all the bread I was launching, and new ideas and new concept um, with Tesco, Sainsbury, Marcus Spencer, all those guys. Um, I was trying to go back to the basic and take all the asking question. Why do you put this in there? Mm. Chef life. Okay, how can we get new, put skill into it instead of having ingredients yeah. or not even ingredients, but chemical all the time. Mm. So it started to change, and I made my, my name and my mark onto that. And I did for four or five years, launched hundreds of product with the supermarket. So I always knew there was a market for something new there. Uh, and then you learn to deal with the buyers, you learn to deal with the, the NPD people, you learn to deal with all those things, uh, which was very interesting, which was very useful for later after what's happened in my life after. So, um, and I was paid very well on those days, so I was like, happy days. So, <laughs> that's always a success. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, on those days. It was like a we in the million. But, uh, <laughs> but now, that's, it's, it, now it's nothing. <laughs> Um, so I did that a few years, and so that model for the rest of my future, I went back to in the hotel industry after I had run some restaurants in London, and then uh, left that and set up my own consultancy company uh, in bakery. So I went back to a big 
a, a big company who employed me to just do the development all the time on a consultancy basis. So that was interesting. So I went back into that world of changing the world from the inside because the buy, the buying power from people, people still shop in supermarket. Doesn't matter who you are, three mission star or whatever. You most people need a supermarket all the time. So you've got to work with them to change things. And I see a lot of them, like uh, in UK, Waitrose and so on, they really want to change the way we do things. But uh, everybody wants to have uh, a long shelf life on their, on their, on their product. So you've you got to have a compromise somewhere. Yeah. So, um, so I was working with them again and again, launching a new product also. And then I started reading more books on bread and the frustration of reading many books just didn't understand the basic of bread making to understand how to make dough properly and so on. So the frustration grew and grew and grew. I started to write my own book in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with dyslexia, I couldn't put a two page together, but it's, it's, it was all in my head. So I took <laughs> back to the basic to explain people. And by pure chance, I was, I went to teach in a school in London, Divertimenti. And the way people were teaching there was completely alien to me. I had to change the way. I want people to have fun. I want people to communicate together and, and, and talk with their hands, talk with their eyes, and discuss things, not with a piece of paper in front of them and work from that. So um, then the idea of cooking school uh, started to to draw to me. The way everything I've done in my life started to make sense to, to go to that. But I needed a link for that, so the book came out. So I approached a few publishers and and they all say, yeah, we want 200 recipe and we want sourdough. I said, no. So I said no to all of them because I don't want to put sourdough and I don't have 200 recipe in my head. Mm. So I saw the last publisher I went to say, I said, well, if I say no again, I might just be turned down. Mm. So I said, we want 200 recipe and sourdough. I said, yes, don't worry, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> I lied. <laughs> but what we did, um, I, the way I was doing it, I was doing it in two books. One, one book, my first book, though, who just go back to the basic to understand what's happened. And my second book, Crust, which was more sourdough or everything. But I wanted, I wanted the book to be breathing with space and a lot of pictures. And also, we were the first book to come out with a DVD because I wanted people to have a visual mm. thing, not word after word after word, it mean nothing. You know? mm. So we put a DVD with it. I didn't tell the publisher, we filmed the DVD in secret. And I put it with <laughs> it. And I said, what are you doing? I said, well, I put the pan extra on the book and put a DVD with it. And the book won all the prizes everywhere. So we did, I, I was right to stick by my gun. Uh, yeah. And the book came out, Do, my first book, Do, came out. It was launched on the same week as we opened the school. So the two together sold very well. And then we won all the prizes in, in England for, for best book, best first book, and, and so on. And in America, the James Beard and ICP, Julia Child. So the biggest book you can uh, price you can get i didn't know anything about this you know just my brother said you go on i said great you're over there and i'm here thank you so, <laughs> yeah. the time over there on my name but um and and then dough keeps selling and selling now still so in spain we saw i have a lot of spanish people come to my school now you know so wow. it's it's great to see if you go back to the basic i always think of baking and, and touching dough like a language and it doesn't matter if you Spanish or Japanese or whatever, when your hand are in a door, it's like a different language. You've got to understand how to feel the door, understand the door. And if you don't understand how to do it, you will stick. And if you stick, then you panic. If you panic, then you could fly everywhere and you change it. <laughs> so uh, I'm very well known to teach people how to handle the door and, uh, and, and so on. So it's, uh, it's been good. And the school is busy. So. But, but I think that was exciting because when I, I've actually ordered two of your books, um, one of them is your first one, dough, because of the simplicity of your ingredients and also the substitutes of flowers that you can include, which I thought, which is amazing for my husband, who's celiac. So I uh, thought, fantastic. But the one thing I found fascinating was that you, you mentioned, or I read somewhere that do the dough with your hands, because sometimes they have a machine, it overbeats it, over needs it. Yeah. Making dough by machine is great, but every machine who have been created have been created to try, try to mimic what the hand been doing. Yeah. So I would say if you if you work with your hand first, feel things first, understand what's happened with your hand, mm-hmm. then it's easy to understand how the machine works. Yeah. The problem we put stuff in the machine. The machine does no brain. The brain's still yours. Yeah. So we try exactly. to find an easy way over time. So understand, go through that that first feel of of. I mean, the ingredients, rediscover the magic of making bread. 
Yeah. When you when you got that, understand. Tell the machine what to do. Exactly. You know, I always ask people use the machine, of course, but do it by hand first. The machine can't finish it up for you. The machine uh, can't, you know. So you got to understand what's happened. Uh, I think so as well. Like I think it's just, uh, um, like like spices. You know, my grandma used to use a pestle and mortar, and she's like, "You've got to grind and grind." But you know, you work hard at it so that you can feel the spices before you grind them. Because sometimes if you grind them, you burn it. It's like coffee as well. Hand grinder is way better. And and I think that's kind of stuck to me. So when I read that about you know feeling the dough, I thought immediately of that as well because you've got to understand what you're working with and how it feels and the smell it, it, and it, textures. It's uh, uh, my motto, my last book. It's uh, it's called um, um, Crumb. Show the dough's boss. Mass I love that. <laughs> it's uh, it became a motto that I used you know, when I was a kid in the baker. I started. You want to do all the big work and the rest, yeah. And I spent one month cleaning. Like, oh god, great, lovely. But then you respect your environment, you respect your equipment, you respect everything. And then when the first lump of dough came to my hand, it stuck everywhere. And my boss said, you know, il faut maîtriser la patte in French, which is sure to do his boss. Respect it, understand, yeah. feel it. Then you understand that the machine works. Yeah. Then when you don't have to clean the machine because you respect your dough, it goes in circle all the time. You know, if you don't respect one part of your job, you pay for it two step later. So it's all about um it's about the respect of everything around you, you know. Yeah. If you have use your computer, you're gonna break it, you know. So it's it's uh, it's a bit of a I don't know, for me it's normal. So it's uh, yeah, I think it's good. And I and I think you mentioned like to understand your food and you know, living in the south of Spain, I might get ridiculed for this, but I don't buy any of the puff pastries, uh, or any pastries because I find them very heavy and um oily. But I think that's also from the African influence as well from Morocco. But then mm -hmm. when I go to Asturias or Bilbao or, you know, Vice Basco in the North Coast, I overfeed myself with pastries and bread because I think there's a a bigger influence with France because it's so close. It's mm -hmm. closer, like, you know, the North Coast is closer to France as it is to the South. But and the, you see the difference. The, yeah, isn't it beautiful that different parts of a whole country can be so different in food in new fields? Yeah. You know, in France, every region of France would be different. Yeah, you, definitely. You we got the same. You go all the way to Scotland, which is you know, the Kingdom, you go to Wales, you got different speciality. Different part of England, you still have more, more, more mm. different specialities. I did a bit of research about, you know, French culture. Yeah. And, you know, the role of bread has dates back to the 18th century. Um, you know, flour was very expensive. It was in short supply. You know, there was famine caused by the French Revolution. Yeah. Government set set maximum prices for bread. And then the government started to, you know, um, give locals bread as a sign of political strength. Prices were then set again under Napoleon to avoid an uprising. And then French medical chemists associated gluten as nourishing elements. And so bread was seen as indispensable in France. Fast forward 300 years, it's now one of those foods you can never have too much of. What does bread mean to you? Uh -huh. Like when I, um, I start my class when I teach people, uh, I was in, uh, as in, if you go anywhere in the world, if you ask everybody what's the ingredient for bread making, everybody knows the ingredients. Mm -hmm. Flour, water, bit of yeast and some salt. We all know the ingredients. It's probably the hardest food to be consistent to make. Yes. But because it we is. all know the ingredient, it should be simple. But actually, simplicity is not simple. You've got to have the skill to go with it. Now, if you ask everybody to make a paella or something, you need a recipe. You need some kind mm -hmm. of base to work from. If you did barat all the time, it's different. But yeah. for most people, they all know about bread. But we fear bread. Mm -hmm. So I think what bread, bread does to me is like it's, um, it's, it's the beginning of everything on food. You know, it's a it's the first thing you 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 serve if you're in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. First thing you eat when you're a child, you know, a bit of bread or biscuit or something. Yeah. So it's going to be respected a little bit. If it's a war, if it's COVID, if it's a um, uh, famine anywhere, what you want is bread and water. You always survive with bread and water. Yes. So you know, bread is simplicity, but at the same time, it's it's a respect you got to get to have over bread. You know, it's a in, in many parts of Spain, France, you would never dream to sit for lunch or dinner without bread. It's impossible. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and some cultures don't eat bread the same way. Some cultures will eat rice instead of bread. Mm -hmm. so maybe it's the same 
same kind of uh, mortality. But I think bread means the beginning of everything. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, I don't know, it's, yeah. I see bread as a job now, but you know, I see what he does to people. It's not just to nourish your uh, as um, as food, but what he does to people mentally also. Mm -hmm. The more I teach people, the more I see the impact of teaching people does to to mm -hmm. their their health, to their mental health also, uh, and and to different parts of their life. And so they take a long time to filter it. So I think Brett's got a lot lot to do. You know, a lot of people with trauma put their hand in the door, touch the door, and they can't think of anything else. So for, for an hour or two, they just forget about pain, they forget about everyday things, and they, they create something from nothing and get their hand and work with this. So it, it touch different parts of your, of your soul, really. So it's, uh, it's um, if you teach properly, I think that's what I do, you teach properly, you respect everything else, you, you, you teach people hard, so they're gonna learn, then they're gonna fall in love with what I fell in love many years ago. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, is to respect the beginning. So I think bright for me mean the beginning of everything for me. I think that's beautiful. Like when you mentioned that, I, I, th I think you're right. You know, when growing up, the one thing I looked forward to is having a hot chapati with sugar and then rolling it up and eating it. It was so soft and buttery, but mm -hmm. you could never have a, you know, an Indian dish, be it dry curry or saucy or whatever it was without chapati, because if not, I think a lot of people in my family would not have felt satisfied. It was a whole pleasure of, it was hot, buttery, and floppy. And, um, I, I, I had a trip in Marrakesh, and we went trekking the Atlas Mountain area. And the bread was the most beautiful bread. It was mm. just, they got nothing, and they give you everything. And they made the bread yeah. with very little ingredient, and they, 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 they bake the bread on, on the hot pot on the side, and you eat it, it just, it's everything. Yeah. The food around it made the bread better. It's That's true. Right. It's true. It's magic. I think it's a um, a very good gift. You know, it's the perfect a, gift. <laughs> you know, no man ever baked bread with them before in their life. So I was uh, making a fool myself. You know, try. You see, you know everything. They're different skill. I mean, the yeah. bread was just this big round bread. Uh, my dream would be to travel the world now and go and meet those people who bake bread like they do it nonstop all the time. It's natural. <laughs> You know, no, 100%. It's, it's just phenomenal. And you bake with a big smile on the face and with nothing. You know, a bit of plastic thing, make the dough there, and the dough is perfect every time. Oh, so so put a big tagine or something, and the bread is on the side. First thing you do is get that bread and you get that juices and everything. Oh, God, you're making me hungry. <laughs> I'm like salivating. <laughs> but it's oh, a simplicity of that, you know. And if you had no tagine, nothing, if you had just the bread, you'd be very happy. You know, to go to bed with it. So it's always, a, it's always. A, uh, it's yeah. Bread, bread means means a lot, and it means a lot on, in different aspects of life. I think. I think so. I, I, you know, when I first cooked chapati for my now husband, it was the one thing he fell in love with me. He was like, "Wow, it's like magic because it poofed and the air got trapped inside." Yeah. And I was like, "Now it's an everyday affair." But in the day, I was like, hmm, "This is really, really good." But um, I think it brought us together. Food. And um, we bring people together all the time. It's it's always. a skill, you know, and uh, it's people take it for granted sometimes. I think it's uh, you should never take somebody you can bake or cook for granted. You just you learn from it and appreciate it. And I always say thank you. you know, that's, that's in manners are something we lose now, but always, uh, it's uh, I think it's a pleasure I give. I always say to people, you make a lot of bread or or like we croissant yesterday. And I, I teach them now to. Actually, you practice practice your smoke face. You need to have a smoke face. <laughs> like a bread, if you saw smoke, <laughs> that's <laughs> the pride you give you. You know, you got to make. If you make like your first Indian bread chapati or something like that, and you puff up and it's perfect, you say, "Hey, look what I've done!" If you're so happy, it's true. You know? It's true. But yeah, bread does something to people. You know, it's a sense of achievement all the time. I think so. It's that whole feeling of going, oh, you know, that sigh of relief. And you feel like you've achieved something. The promise to do it again and again and again. <laughs> Less smoke then. It's true. Um, but now it's a uh, thing. Bread. You know, you can be you can be a, a Swedish and star chef and not having a clue how to make bread. You know, Definitely, I never thought about it like that. You know, I always say you can be um, a great cook and not knowing how to bake. You can you, but if you're a good baker, you know how to cook. Yes. You have the sense of understanding the food. 
but you can cook meat, fish, everything, and not know that you look better for bread. There are different skills. Mm, I think so. I, I, I think as well, it's precision. You've got to be precise as well sometimes. Yes, no, I think it's it's precise, of course, but it's it's respect of what you're doing, timing and everything else. So precise, yes, but at the same time, it's, it's, there's so many ele other elements, the outdoor, what's happening outdoor, the, the weather, the way you feel. You, it's so about instinct every day. Yeah. Every day you have to adapt a little bit. You do it as natural instinct sometimes, you know. I, I never use probs, I never use top archer. I feel things all the time. And I think as well, you can't rush it. If you're doing it, you've got to be 100% in it. Yeah, sometimes you, you're under pressure, so you got to rush sometimes. But if you've got the skill to do it, then you can bypass some step. You know, it's not as perfect, but you can always do something. Something like that. And make good so, bread very quickly if you've got the skill to do it. And so when I think of bread, I also think in general in food, uh, no country exists in a vacuum. And, you know, everybody has borrowed something from someone else. Whether, whether it's a technique or ingredients, you know, we acclimatize to it and make it our own. Mm -hmm. How have you seen British food culture change since you first came to the UK in the 1980s? And after publishing Dough, have you seen, well, have you found that people's attitude towards bread has changed in the way of making it at home? I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, on, on, it's just it's the cooking side of things. And the, the bread side of thing. The bread side of thing, the bread explosion really started, yeah, roughly on the same time as the school opened, you know, really 2005. And then you got program like Bake Off, which Bake Off happened, and then on and on. So many programs happened about bread and bread become fashionable. And once you become fashionable, then you become boring of it, you know. So it's uh, it's um, it's still a, a big high to go into. Now it's sourdough. Everybody's sourdough, this sourdough, that. It's like, to, to make sourdough now, it's like if you need the tattoos everywhere, you know, a big beard and a, and a flat cap, you know. And a, oh, the <laughs> it's, it's, you know, sourdough is another type of bread. It's another way of fermenting your bread. But we make, it, we make it so, such a big thing, you know, that people get scared of it, you know. Uh, it's a different way of fermenting your bread. That's what it is, you know. Mm. You can use fresh yeast. Of course you can. Mm. You understand how to make dough properly first. You know, they all want to make sourdough, they can't make the best white dough. So, you know, it's uh, so it's still on, on a treadmill, I don't know, it's still going up, it's still going up. Bread will always go into fashion, bread will never lose fashion. Um, we, they always look for the new idea on bread and new flour and everything else. They just make good dough, make good bread, you know, mm -hmm. it's simple, you know, you don't have to go too, too crazy. So, it's uh, but the food, the food, I think what we see. What we've seen since the late 80s, early 90s, it's uh, you had a, like a group of chefs, top chefs in London and a few outside, but maybe 20, 30 chefs who start to train other chefs. And then other chefs start to go out and okay. get their own place. And then the pub, the pub industry start to die with it. So all the pub were taken over by chefs who start to make food and the, yeah, the, the trend of uh, what you call them, um, gastropub. Yeah. Gastropub, you make the pub a destination for food. So you start to eat more than Sunday lunch. You start to have dinner, lunch, and everything else. So the food becomes better and better and better. Mm. And those chefs create new chef and you start to cascade down everywhere. So you got the skill of those great chefs going to pubs and make those pubs being alive again. So the old food had to, um, raise the game a little bit and and so on so if you if you eat well everywhere now unless you go to some chain or something but you, you pay for what you get mm -hmm. uh i see although there's a great young chef coming up now all the time great ideas great uh but bread's still the first thing we serve you know and bread at the end of the day is flour water yeast and salt mm -hmm. you know but we try to make it with different flavors sometimes they make it so complicated they lose track of what's What's in it? What's in it? Yeah, it's, just keep it simple. Make one loaf of bread. Make it good. But serve it consistently every day. Stop changing and putting stuff in it to be different for everybody else. Consistency is everything, you know? Definitely. And I think, but can I ask, what is the craze around sourdough nowadays in the UK? 
<laughs> I have to ask because in Spain, yeah, the lots is, of work. <laughs> yeah, the, the thing is, Saudo, oh my God. I mean, I'm guilty of it because I, I probably studied the trend also. So when a few years ago, my, my dream, I said to you, my dream was always to relaunch sliced bread in this country mm. with only three or four ingredients. Um, because of the, uh, to find a new way, of, a new method of of making it that I could get four to five day shelf life on a on a supermarket. Otherwise, you can't list it. But people don't understand. You you got one day to make it, one day for transport, and then one day on a, on a shelf, and you got one, two days at home. That's how things work. You don't make it on two nights, and it goes into the store the next day. That's you know transport and so many logistics. So. It took me about two years to reopen the bakery in Bath, and then we started growing and growing and get the brand going a bit better. And then we started developing that white sliced sourdough at our bakery, which was working well. And I had some great baker working with me, and they really helped me to, to, to make it happen. And then when it was ready, we went to, um, when I saw that the concept ready, I went to see a waitress and, and say, I would love to launch this. So we made a mock up packaging. And my dream was always clear packaging and on big letters, sourdough, white sourdough, flour, water, sea salt. That's all. Oh, okay. People yeah. could see what it, what it was. And they could read everywhere. There was no other crap in there or anything like that. Yeah. And retro was like this. So we started with one store, then seven store, then 16, then 35 store, right. and then with natural listing. So the logistic were to change the way of doing everything. And the bakery, we had to open a new bakery in London and another one. And then we started from a small bakery, we become a big, big thing, making a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. Brian become powerful. Um, and um, and that's how it became that. So we did the, the white sourdough, then we did a, a seeded sourdough, a malted wheat sourdough, but still with a semi-force. So what I've done is put skill back in bread, in bread instead of cheap stuff so i had a lot of bakers spent hours training them you know because the bread would take between 18 and 24 hours to make yeah you can see the process you got to think two days ahead all the time all the time it's non-stop right. the ferment you know from from using five kilo of ferment in my kitchen i said using one ton of ferment a night we get this the bakery 80 ton of flour a week so you, you can see the logistic of everything I still got people coming in the school in here say, Oh, you did all the bread for which was in here. It's like, you don't understand. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> That's not big enough just for the flour, for goodness. People <laughs> don't understand how much it takes to, to, to create that. But it becomes such a big thing. And then we say, Super like Quête à Manger with the brioche buns. So it becomes big. So um, so we, we we had to partner with somebody else you know, to, to help it grow because it's nowhere we could be everywhere. Mm -hmm. So we partnered with a bread factory in London uh, in 2008, 17, 18. And then they bought us out in 18. Uh, so I worked for them for another year. And they bought us, they bought the brand, Bertile Bakery. Mm -hmm. And, um, and um, I've stopped doing any work with them in 2020. So I've got nothing to do with it, nothing. And okay. it's, it's actually, it's funny, they got a big thing in the press of them and they change all the recipes change all the stuff, the white saddle look brown. Everybody's gone mad now. The packaging looks, I don't know. I, I, unusual. We, <laughs> we'll say unusual. <laughs> yeah, a bit colorful, let's say. Um, <laughs> and then change everything. And so, you know, I would say when, when you buy somewhere, you can't buy the soul of something. There's a reason why we've done this, the, the way we've done things. And people always want to change to make their mark in a way, but they don't understand why we've done this it was working very well so i don't know so we'll see um we'll see what's happened but that's you can't you can't have it both way you know when you sell sell your brand you can't go there and change everything right so if they're people with what they're doing that's not my problem uh, mm -hmm. but i keep telling people it's not my bakery anymore it's nothing to do with me so <laughs> if it's bad <laughs> i'm so sorry <laughs> it's good, you know but you can't have it both ways. So. No, I, I think that's true. And I think as well, people forget the art of process and understanding, you know, what it takes in no. terms of... If it's not something I know, I don't understand it. Yeah. You know, I don't understand what it takes to be a lawyer. I don't understand what it takes to be for the job. You know, if it's not your your field, how would you know? You know, 
So it's nice to be so you know to, to be a journalist. You know how much pressure they take to be a politician. We we always criticize everybody, but yeah. you know they do every day. You don't see it all the time. So it's nothing is easy unless you put your, yourself into their shoes. Sometimes you know. So it's oh, it's, uh, true. it's um it's so, so you know leading on from that, you know, how would you advise? the palette challenge um you know challenged in terms of textures when you're talking about bread or teaching about bread and they are learning about it i think like any cuisine or anything like, like spice or anything like everybody's taste is different mm. but you've got to have a foundation to work with so when i teach people i tell them i'm not right or wrong what i'm teaching is my foundation that foundation recipe that base though would save you all the time. If you can make this, if you understand that, don't worry about sourdough because you understand how dough work. If you understand how dough work, then it's, a, it's the beginning of the process. So when I teach people, I always say to them, imagine your head like a big filing cabinet with little drawers and they're all empty. Mm. But you, you, get, you, get, you got to have a method of working. So the method works the same, doesn't matter what dough you're making, and you go through the process, one step, one box at a time. If you miss one, you pay for it two steps later. So to get people thinking before they touch. With baking, they all put their hand in there, they start to stick and they spin it. Mm. So to make them step back and start to think and say out loud what they're gonna do, what they're seeing me doing, and then start doing it, but mm. talking to themselves all the time. So it's to learn the different process of doing it and give them the confidence they can make bread also. Give them the confidence that you know if they respect the dough and everything the else, then it will be faster later. Mm. You know, they all, they all want to make sourdough. They feel bad because they don't make sourdough. I said to them, stop. No, it's curious. It's, uh, it's because it's become fashionable. You know, mm. when organic started, every well, organic is great. And then everybody started to use the word organic for no reason. So you devalue stuff all the time. Another buzzword like sustainability and rustic. organic. Yeah. It's such a new crap. You say it's rustic. No, it's crap. It's different. Rustic is different. <laughs> You know, it's uh, yeah, no. yeah, we use word in England as a fashion item. You know, we always look for the new ingredients. You mm. know? Uh, the, the best one I've seen at the moment is uh, the pink Himalayan Himalayan salt. Have you seen that? Yes, Very fashion is everywhere. You know, it's become another fashionable craze. Yet they've been using it forever in Asia. But it's, yeah, it's eighty million years old. The salt is eighty million years old. Yeah. Yeah. Then we put it in the glass jar. It goes in Sainsbury in the shop. Best before two thousand twenty-three. Yeah, I, I don't understand. It's How mad is that? It's a rock. Yeah, no, no, I, I don't understand. But it's curious. Everything becomes so disposable now. It's fashionable and disposable. And I well, think it's such a shame. You're wasting stuff. We just, you know, when you sing back, and it made me feel old sometimes. If you go back in the old days, there was no plastic. There was no stuff. So you, mm. you, a butter was useful, so you use it over. And now we just buy stuff up in a bin. We, we, we create things to put in the bin now. Yeah, and it's, I think it's scary, you know. It's uh, I, I think food waste has become very big, and you know, I can't remember the the, the, the sorry, I cut you off. I'm so sorry. No, no, no that's fine. We, we the figure on bread is one third of the bread we're making is, is goes in the landfill, is wasted. We live in a society now when we expect the supermarket to be open 24 hours a day. And if I go at two o'clock in the morning, I expect to be full, all yeah. the shelf full. Yeah, no. well, we expect we we think we we are deserving to everything, and we're not. You know, but we everything like it's full full for it. You know, it's before you you plan your day and you plan when you go shopping, and we live in different life now. So, but you know, we we want strawberry always to the year, and we're the best. It doesn't happen. You know, you can have asparagus from England always to the year. The seasonality of food doesn't happen anymore. So and I think that that's a shame. And I think as well, like consumerism's become very big, and our need for having food all year round isn't a good thing. I think sustainability and provenance of food should be respected more. Because as well, like you said, so state, you know, having strawberries all year round is is horrendous. It's better when it's in season because also the reason why they're in you know late summer is because it's helps with vitamin C, vitamin D, and it's good for your body. So when things are seasonable, it's... Also, strawberry will be in season somewhere else in the world. The problem now is the carbon footprint. You export them from there. So you, you can have the... Avocado, if you look at avocado, you know, 20 years ago, avocado started, and now 
we the planet is you know decimated because avocado plants yeah. palm oil oh palm is fashionable and uh, palm is everywhere no it's true it's it's, it's, it's so bad it's it, it's become an occupational hazard of mine working in this industry you know with you know raising the aware of these sort of issues feel of this feel of, you know it's we we the planet will give up one day we can't overuse the planet yeah it's slowly happening it's, it's slowly it's happening you know and and i think it's hopefully the younger generation are a bit more conscious about it than what well, it was really something about electric car electric car are good for you mm -hmm. if you see how much energy it takes to make one battery for one car oh yeah i know i know it's, it's scary it's because how much energy it takes how much how much carbon footprint does that create but we just oh it's electric car it's fine it's fine yeah. when it's done but the damage just to the planet before that on the long term is even worse so nobody nobody considers that you know because everything you're getting from the earth is never going to replicate again it's taken millions of years to make so when you're putting in this one battery on this one engine what's going to happen when the engine burns out you have to you know put in another landfill and create another and battery it's actually it's one of the worst things with two landfills yeah it's and, you know it's a uh, oh, we could have this conversation all day. <laughs> oh, God, it's uh, the Definitely. Problem, you know, the world is is, is an evolution, constant evolution, and it's like everything. If you got too much of something, you know, if you see how much billion people live on the planet, something will have to give in one day. That's that's normal course, nature. Course, you know, it's, it's, normal. it's a cycle. It's a cycle. Sure. The planet will still live. You know, if. Uh, there's no human within 10 years the plant will be breathing again very easily so it's uh it'll be recycling itself and yeah. re-nurturing itself for sure it was, a, it was a good a good thing about when covid happened is to listen to the silence yes. i remember a few morning i was outside there was no noise no noise pollution it it's so, so rare so rare to no train no motorbike it was nothing it was just no. weird so beautiful now there's you, you realize how much noise that there is around us all the time. No, I, and I think so. So it's I, th a, I think so. Yeah. So if we go back to where it all started for you, you learned to cook at age of 14. How do you go about collecting or memorizing these recipes when you were back in France? I think you start when you're at home. Um, and in France, you, you never, you always, you never sit well, back in those days anyway. You never dream to sit watching TV with your food. I mean, that was that lunch and dinner. You sat on the kitchen table, and that's where you saw program out and stuff. So you had to dress the table every lunch or dinner. You put the table, you do the washing up. And the first thing I've learned was to make the vinaigrette. Mm -hmm. thing we do for the salad we serve for every lunch and dinner. So that was part. And then, you know, making a roast chicken. And, and before that, making an omelette yeah, and fried mm -hmm. egg. So you learn to do those basics. Mm -hmm. If you make cook some eggs, you're fine. And then making a roast chicken, you know, and actually it's very simple when you know about it, when you do it for a very young age. Making french fries, I remember doing this as well. Yeah, you learn bits and pieces. And um, it's funny because my, my children um, cook a bit at home with me, but never did too much. Mm -hmm. And when my big son went to uni, he, he saw all the other students cooking and he said, they're so crap. He never cooked with me before, but he knew how to cook because he watched me doing it. And he took yeah. over, he knew what to do. So learning is not about just doing something, it's about observing, being part of something. Mm. You know, the spell, the anticipation of sitting for dinner, anticipation of sitting for lunch, um, helping your grandmother doing some donuts, helping, and having been part of, of that culture moment or something. So it's, mm -hmm. a, you know, I, I remember when I was a kid going to banquet for a wedding or something. Like that. I used to knew in Brittany, we always had big seafood platter. And for me, it was like the biggest thing ever, seafood platter, with oysters, I didn't like them, man. But you had muscle crab and you spent hours going through it. For me, it was like um, absolute best pleasure in life. You had bread, I could drink wine, I wish. <laughs> um, my kids is a nightmare. If, they, if we put a seafood platter on the front, they're like, oh, dad, please. You know, can we go to oh, really? Oh, it's yeah. different culture. You know, they haven't been brought up with it. Yeah. I don't know that shit like that when I was kid. So it's a, it's a different thing. So I got, you, we all got different food memories. Uh, and uh, my kids got plenty of food memories. You know, they say if I said, "Well, you want to, uh, me to cook for you," and this and that, and the flavor that they know that 
they crave, you know, which mm. is good. So, oh. uh, but they, they, they are faced with so much good food now around them in restaurants and, and takeaway and everything. They, 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 they can touch so many cuisines at the tip of their fingers. So it's, it's a very different world we live in now. I think so. And I think I think that's what I miss about the UK in terms of food, because it's so multicultural that you have everything on your doorstep, you know. It's um, too much. Because but, the, the takeaway culture in this country is incredible. Oh, you, gosh, yeah. You, pick up, you, you pick up the phone, food is 10 minutes later, is at your door. So yeah. you're not hungry or pickish, you just order so much stuff, you eat it, you know. And but, takeaway in France, no, yeah. A few pizza and a kebab or something like that, you know, but you don't. That's the, the same here. It's the same here. And people because... think it's food, you know, it's like, no, that's shit, you know, sorry. No, but it, it's curious you say that because takeaway culture here is not a thing, you know, because people still want to have their, you know, stews or their, their fish or yeah. um, tortilla or whatever it is. And, um, and I remember teaching um, English many, many years ago, and I asked the children in my class, um, what's your favorite food and what's your dislikes, etc." And they went, oh, God, I love arroz cubano, like Cuban rice. And what do you hate? I hate kebabs or I hate pizza. Everything they hated was fast food here because they were like, I like proper food and I want proper food. Yeah. So and, and the culture from the UK to here is very different. People still have a love for food even though it's just spanish as opposed to eating out more takeaways i see it's a it's a family value between food is where i see this i don't know if it's catholic or not or, or something but i think yeah. italy spain you know we we still got the family to sit together yeah yeah it's not many families do that in uk and some still do of course but a lot of it the there's something happened in we, with maybe with the war i don't know what's happened but Something happened when it was divided. Actually, the pub culture was so different in this. Uh, when I arrived in England, the pub opened at five o'clock in the, in the afternoon and closed at ten. I was like, "What's happening here?" You know, I go out yeah. in ten o'clock. You know, <laughs> it's such so a change. You know, my first Christmas, I cried. Like, where's everybody I'm going home? Like, we just come out. Yeah, it was so, it so, so, so it's a, uh, it's you adapt over time, and the pub culture on those days. You know, if you're um, a man and you, you work all day you go home at four you have a quick bite to eat or and then you get changed you, you shower and you go to the pub mm -hmm. you know and so you back home 10 o'clock so it's i don't know this part of the culture is different and i'm not it's saying it's right or wrong it's it's, it's different you know but the sunday lunch is still there there's still the family gathering for for christmas and so on so it's still some there and you know um, it's um it's different. The, the class system in UK is probably a bit different, also the way yeah. we, we we do the lower class and middle class and so on. So it's a it's kind of different, and it's not right or wrong. It's it's a different way, but the way had also mm -hmm. with the nice weather in Spain, France, or something, eating all together outside. So it's a nice thing to do. So it's yeah. a and that's where the the British crave going to Spain and not to enjoy the the, the weather. <laughs> and so on because it's so different you know eating outside you slow down things you know yeah. so it's mm -hmm. raining all the time it's like oh god it's depressing so <laughs> yeah, for sure it's, it's true and i think you know I'm, I'm lucky i've been exposed to both being in the uk growing up in the uk and living here now um, when i do go back i do miss being here because of you know six o'clock everyone's inside six o'clock is when i go out for coffee and then at nine ten o'clock is when i have my dinner so and people are eating their dinner at six o'clock so for me it's the change of lifestyle that I it's struggle with a little bit. Very different, you know. It's uh, it's uh, and for you for the young people. I remember in France, you know, group of young people we used to go out. The first thing you look for is the table to sit in. Yeah. You share a bottle of wine and chat and everything. Right. And well, the top question I first remember is you go there, you crash to the bar, and get ten pint down quickly. It's like, yeah. you know, and like, that's so different, you know. It's uh. It's, a, it's, it's changed a, a lot. It's changed a lot, but you know, it's uh, back in the eighties was just really get hammered. Hammered. I've not heard that. You get sloshed. I've not heard that word in ages. Hammered, uh, but it's true. Anyways, <laughs> so, yeah. Last quick. Another point. Another shot. Yeah, no, I remember those days. So, so. Um, I have a pint of chaser on the side. Oh, that's so funny. I did miss that. It was fun. 
Um, <laughs> you see, when somebody's different, it doesn't mean it's bad. It's different. It's just, it's exactly. You know, I, always, <laughs> I always believe, I always said, I would absorb myself as much as I can with the British culture because I, I love I love it in here, you know? So you got to, mm. you can't have it both ways, right, you know? No, it's true. So, you know, I have to ask, you've been on many cooking shows on television, and but you keep coming back to writing cookbooks. What does cookbook what does writing a cookbook do that a food show doesn't for you? Um, that's a good question. I think people ask me, oh, are you going to do another book? I say, no, I don't. I don't know. I think the book I've, I've created are what I teach at the school, so they all meant something. You know, I, when, you, when you see books with two or three recipes, I don't want to be in a, in a situation where I've got to create recipes to go into a book. Every recipe is going to mean something. So I, I never do more than 60, 50 recipes or something. Like so they mean something or stuff I try or, or do it in the school or something. Like um, the only book I would love to do now is a traveling book. Go, go around, my first book was published. It's about 35 countries, I think. And go around to, say, the top 10 countries uh, from, from Russia to uh, Spain to all this country and work with the five or six of the local bakers. Learn some mm -hmm. recipe from them, and read that those, those recipe into uh, a way you can redo it in a, at home. Um, but get some of the culture, some of the, the, the feeling into it. Um, mm -hmm. So it's for for the root of the door, really, of uh, where it's been. Uh, I love to do that. But um, that's that's really cool because here they always promote where the breads come from. So they'll say like. The, you know, the there's a type of bread called moyete. It's like an oval shape, it's really spongy and soft. Not a lot of um, um, crumb in it, but it's, you know, it's really nice. But they'll say, oh, pan de um, antequera, or a lot of the bread here we have is from um, alfacar. So it's pan de alfacar, it's like a little cave, a little baker, and that place is famous for that bread, and it will be baking in that cave, proving in that cave, because something happens there that everybody right. wants that bread. And if you do want to do it, I'll take you there. But it is, um, it's, it's you know, people here that's are famous. The, that's the story names. I want to hear. That's the story I want to, to try to, to understand, put into through, put some of their yeah. passion into a book. And it's like kind of trapping that experience forever into a few pages, you know, yeah. and there'll be a good TV series with it, you know. And yeah. I don't think you get to, it could be a many part of it, say. We could start five, six countries, you know, and just and see what the, the cultural brand mean for, for people of that yeah, and why you know, that bakery and, and get some good anecdotes and stuff like that and me learning from that person, working mm. with them. Um, but you know, all my book I've done, they're very simple, dough, crust, crumb, you know, cook, paste. I'm so excited. So I can't wait uh, to get them. Yeah. Um, and it's it's no, cook is about cooking. It's about recipe I do at home for my friends. Mm. I still do them now. I haven't changed anything. And pastry with the basic pastry, some of the basic pastry I've learned when I was 14. And it's the same basic pastry I, I teach people now. Mm. So I think the book came out because of the cooking school. So there was a demand for it. So I did, I did pâtisserie and I sold a few of my pâtisserie book. You know, because it's a recipe we take from the book. So um, I guess my style of uh, of writing is keeping simple as simple as I can. Mm -hmm. So uh, with a lot of pictures, a lot of explanation, mm -hmm. and all our book come with uh, DVDs or not DVD anymore because people don't know what DVD is. But mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, with videos on my website, so you can download, you can have a look at it, you can understand uh, the visual tool as well. I think that's really good. That's quite a niche thing you've done for people that are more visual learners as opposed to reading as well. So they everybody's, get to see yeah. it. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. I got people coming in and they take notes all the time, all the time, and they learn nothing. They yeah, take, no, no, for sure. You go into the note, they don't see it. You've got to absorb with your eyes, you've got to absorb smell, touch, feel. That's yeah. how you learn. The five basic senses, definitely. And I think, you know, but if you consider the industry you've been in, if you think about the last decade, what is the one thing you would change for a person who wants to specialize in what you do as well? Um, I, it's a it's a good one. I think it goes back to the education system. I think I think a lot of young people don't belong to the education system. A lot of young people, like I was when I was fourteen, 
should go and work. There should be a way, an easy way, an easy path for them to not being told they are stupid at school. They are not stupid, they learn in different ways. They need to go and work with their hands. They need to express themselves in different ways. Not every kid are designed to follow the educational system. You go to do sixth form, you go to do to go to uni until you're 23, 24. Yeah. We are not all the same. You can't expect all the kids to fit one mold. It doesn't. Yeah. Yes, if you want to be a doctor, if you want to be a lawyer, if you want to you need education, but then you yeah. got the brain for that. But if you if you want to be um, want to go to the army, go to do things with your hands, culture, whatever, give the those kids the opportunity to to do something a bit different. You know, yes, study education to your your GCSE, get the basic, whatever. But go and work. Go get inspired by older people. Go and do some some things that uh, make you happy when you get up in the morning. Not being sat in mm-hmm. the classroom when you go to look at the screen. I remember that feeling and thinking you are the stupidest in the class because you don't understand. Mm-hmm. You're not stupid, you learn in different ways. That's yeah. all. You sit in an exam paper and you freeze because you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Because your, your eyes goes, you can't read the paper. And you get told you're stupid. You know? So it's, a, it's I see the education system is so hard to, to do it. I don't know what the solution is, but there should be an easier pathway to identify young people being able to do things differently. Yeah. Uh, and go back to have some skill in their, in, in their blood where they can try to be uh, a baker, a butcher, and try a different job and f- fall in love with something they really respect. Mm. No, I That's think so. Stuff. So it's a, I think it's, it's a different approach to the... To the education system, but it's it's such a hard one to do. And every country will fight for that. And, and because we we work with formulas, we work to fill up paperwork now. You know? yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think so. It's you know, uh, it's no easy solution. But I think you're right. You know, growing up at school, I you know maths and science, I always learned better by doing past papers, past papers, understand understood the context. But my biggest, my better grades were art and food technology and food nutrition because it was practical and i learned better being practical Mm -hmm. as opposed to reading books because like when i read heavy texted books i end up falling asleep because it makes me tired it's relaxing for me i read the first page and my eyes start to jump from one (laughs) and i go to the end of the book i say oh that's the end thank you very much (laughs) i can't cannot focus on reading books some people find an absolute pleasure to sit down for doing nothing and read books. Yeah, for no. me, it's a nightmare. Yeah, no, it is. It is. <laughs> I can't do that. It's true. I would watch it on TV, but reading the book, I would love to be able to find um, freedom of sitting on the beach and read a book for hours and hours. I can't. Yeah. I get bored with five minutes. I can listen I to just... books, but I, I just cannot focus. Yeah. I fall asleep. Doing <laughs> We should have our own club. <laughs> it's yeah. true. Have a people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can we have a beer as well? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my penultimate question to you. Yeah. <laughs> You're clearly a man who's very proud of your heritage and rightly so in terms of food. How has exploring British French baking industry impacted your personal life? Uh, that's a very good question, actually. Um, I see it's bloody hard work, you know. From early age, when you're 14, you go to work in the bakery, and your friends who are mechanics and stuff like that, they come and work, knock on the bakery door at 4 o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning when they come back from clubbing, and you work your ass off, yeah. and you hate them. They want some croissant, they go to bed. You know, they call, you come out to them? No, I can't. You know, so you got... Um, so the impact of baking always had been in my life. When the cooking school opened, the bakery opened, running from the cooking school to one bakery, get the phone call, the baker doesn't turn up, finding people, training them, and they leave you. It's always a constant battle. So you, I see you, it does impact on your life for the long term. So that's why so when we opened a bakery, we always had a, a vision of, a, you know, build up a brand and, and if you can exit after a few years, and we do that. Um, because it's a hard hard work, you know. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, being up silly hours, traveling up and down with two or three different sites, so I think baking always had an impact, but also a good impact. Mm-hmm. It made me who I am now. 
And I always describe my life like a jigsaw. It's finding pieces everywhere and start putting a frame together and start building up everything. Everything I'm doing all the time is just a new, new piece of the jigsaw. So it's nothing I've done in my life that I regret because they've all been part of what I've done and what I achieve now. So from books to it, you know. So it's a, it's a long journey, you know. I hope I still got a few years to me to do other things. But, you know, I love teaching now. That's a new thing I love doing. The more I teach, the more I, I love the feeling it gave people. And uh, uh, it's, a, it's a very rewarding thing. So teaching what you want is great, you know. Oh, definitely and I think that's nice that you found your passion in an aspect of your industry and you know my last question to you the success of your book has been international okay mm -hmm. what did you expect your book to be that you know that sought after around the world and you know what has it meant to you um no <laughs> no I'm <sorry. laughs> you know, I think you write your book you, you when you write a book, you write it with a with a message. Mm. That's what Do was about. Is go back to the basic. Understand. I was reading books, and you know they can't make dough properly. They can't do this properly, and they they, they put picture of bread which out and you, you can see the lies through it. And I just like people can't learn from that. So I, mm. I I went back to the basic. Understand the basic. No side or nothing. Go back to the basic. And there were two pages in the book which people always pick up is a. Uh, a page with a white bread from supermarket with 14 ingredients and four ingredients on the same same page and that really shocked people and everything else and because it was a dvd because the book was made from my heart because if i look at the book now the picture of the bread i look at it and say oh my god it's awful but yeah. it was where we shoot on the day it was my kitchen in london i make it i shoot it and then that's where it is I know it was not burned, you know, if it was not perfect shape, I don't care. That's what we've done today. That's what we're asking when you put everything truthfully from something, you know, uh, then it shows. If, it's, if you try to put lie or into it or make it too good sometime, then you put people up for it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, some baker will say, well, do, that book is crap. Fine, but a lot of bakers go there, they always say, I've got your book. You know, yeah. that's a compliment. That's the kitchen. Yes, I've got your book. I love it. <laughs> can... everywhere, you know. And, <laughs> and that's the best compliment is when chefs really respect you for what you're doing. And you know, they uh I've met so many chefs now and uh, it's it's phenomenal. So it's I think dough was part of the bread revolution in, in, in many ways and make mm -hmm. people open their eyes on actually bread is simple but complicated if you respect the beginning. So and and <laughs> I don't think I've put too much thought into it, but those still sell very well, which is yeah. great, you know. So it's, uh, um, and when, when we, when we, it's translated in 17 languages, I think. So Spanish I think, is one of them, because when I ordered your books this week, book yeah, you yeah. had all your books, I had to look, I had to be careful when I ordered because I wanted it in English. Um, yeah. And then all I could see was Spanish, Spanish, Spanish. And I was like, oh my goodness, how do I get the English version? The video of my book was me speaking Spanish. Oh, do you yeah. speak Spanish? No, I don't. Of course not. Oh but it was me dubbed in Spanish. I looked at myself oh, speaking no. Spanish. Like, that was so funny. But That's uh, funny. I, uh, no, I, I, I never think too much of, oh yeah, it's quite a bit on this. Yes, I'm pleased because it just, you know, we, I got a beautiful team working with me in the kitchen and keep us busy all the time and it's uh, it, it's fantastic. Um, but we never take it for granted. We always work to, you know, I had people from California came for one day yesterday. I had a woman from Italy came yesterday for one day. So you got people who make the journey to come and learn, spend the day with me in here, which is, for me, that's what I find absolutely phenomenal, you know. And, the fashion of cooking school when we opened 17 years ago it was five or six cooking schools you know around the area at one point they were at 60. everybody's make it you know they all want to teach but teaching is hard people don't realize that teaching people to do properly every day is bloody hard yeah it's very easy to copy everything and try to copy all the time yeah but we're still there and we still get loyal fan base from all over the world which is and, and do help for that, do and crust and all those books. Um, people still discover it now. So it's like a, 
you feel when it's going to stop, but it's still sells. So it's quite, you know, and the, the more social media open new doors for, for, for many things. So I think I've got to be more freedom to do proper restaurant and, and, and do this different thing, which I, I love doing also. Uh, but you still got to pay the bill at the end of the month, you know. So it's, uh, it's uh, so if, uh, if I sell a few more million copies, I would love that and keep me going for my retirement. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. I can't wait. But Richard, it's been an absolute pleasure having you today. Mm-hmm. And thank, thank you so much you. for joining me. That's good. Thank you.